Hello and welcome to this Euractive event. My name is Natasha Foote. I am an agri-food and health reporter with Euractive and I have the pleasure of moderating today's event on reducing the use of antibiotics in the livestock sector. So the overuse and misuse of antibiotics in both animals and humans is contributing to the rising threat of antimicrobial resistance or AMR as it's known. So already this is uh, estimated to lead to around 33,000 human deaths in the EU every year as well as 700,000 deaths per year globally and it's also estimated to cost the EU 1.5 billion euros each year so a very serious problem and one that is just set to get worse so much so that it has been listed by the World Health Organization as among the top 10 biggest global threats. Yet despite the risk that it poses to our global food supply and also to human health this looming global crisis is still not really getting the attention that it deserves. That being said, the issue is gaining some ground at the policy level. So the EU's flagship food policy, the Farm to Fork strategy, sets an ambitious target to reduce the sales of antimicrobials for farmed animals by 50% by 2030. And we also have new regulations on veterinary medicinal products that will come into play as of 2022, which aim to provide a wide range of concrete measures to tackle AMR. So although the livestock sector has already made significant progress in the reduction of the use of antibiotics in recent years, the question is how can we build upon this progress? What lessons can be learned from the front runners in the field? And also how can we ensure that these lessons are expanded beyond EU borders because this really is a global issue? And that is exactly what we're going to explore today. But before we get stuck into today's conference, let me first turn to my colleague, Teresa, who will just run through a few housekeeping rules. Teresa, the floor is yours. Thank you, Natasha. Good afternoon and welcome. When writing questions in the Q&A section, which you can find at the bottom of the chat box on the right side of your screen, Please identify yourself, keep your questions short and concise, and indicate to which panelists you are addressing the question. We also encourage tweeting, so join the online discussion on Twitter using the hashtag EADebates. You can see here, hashtag EADebates. Enjoy the discussion. Thank you very much, Teresa. So without further ado, let me introduce our speakers today. So with us today, we have Andrea Gavinelli, who's head of unit of animal welfare um, and antimicrobial resistance at the European Commission's DigiSante. We have Green MEP Sarah Vina, who is the uh, chair of the European Parliament's MEP interest group on AMR, as well as being a professional chef and an organic farmer herself. Uh, we also have Erin Reisman, who is a senior animal health and production officer at the UN's food branch, the FAO. Roxanne Feller, who is the secretary general of Animal Health Europe. And lastly, but not least, uh, Lara San Francesco, who's the director of the Italian association Una Italia, and also a member of AVEC, the voice of the European uh, poultry sector, who is also the sponsor of today's event. So a warm welcome to all of you. As you can see, we have a nice wide range of, um, of panelists bringing a wealth of expertise uh, to what I'm sure will be a very, very rich discussion. So now I will just turn to each of our panelists in turn for a short opening remark before we get stuck into the debate. So Andrea, perhaps I can come to you first for your opening remark. The floor is yours. 
Yes, first of all, Natasha, thank you very much uh, for uh, this opportunity. It is uh, really the moment about uh, talking uh, an, about an issue that is uh, at the heart uh, of the Farm to Four strategy and uh, really an important element to prepare and to develop further after the lessons learned from the COVID. In fact, uh, you know, in the Farm to Fork, uh, you mentioned there's a reduction of sales of antimicrobial by 2030 or 50%. is one of the ambitious targets we have on the food side of antimicrobial resistance. But we have to see this in the one health dimension. And now we have uh, to progress uh, really end in end uh, with the health side, human health side. In fact, uh, uh, this is the, the real interdependence of this uh, of the animal and the human side that is probably what configured that i am now responsible of a unit called animal welfare and antimicrobial resistance really because as we said there there is a strict relation between how <clears throat> we uh, farm uh, and uh, grow our animals and produce our food and in fact uh, the control over the use of medicaments we have already great success stories in, uh, in europe uh, as you know uh, very well, and I'm sure people in this panel will be able to explain better than me how the efforts are going in that direction. But it's clear that we are not alone. Uh, we are going uh, globally to face uh, this challenge. And that's why also uh, we are uh, working, uh, thanks to the legal basis we have, to encourage the ban and the use of antimicrobial uh, as uh, for the country that trade with us, uh, uh, using them as grow promoter or to increase uh, the production and yield, or uh, uh, also the ban of the use of these uh, product that are in fact also uh, used for uh, the care of human. So not to really create uh, uh, less capacity for the human to react to it. So in conclusion, uh, we have. Um, uh, an important uh, task ahead of us. Uh, we have uh, to look um, as much as we can uh, uh, through an harmonized approach uh, and the EU is well placed because we have uh, already capacity to and since years to connect with member states. Uh, we have the capacity to work in a tripartite issue with FAO, with uh, WHO and uh, the multilateral organization like the OIE also that are in this area. As a consequence, I think uh, this is the good way to, we have the real base to continue. That's like, uh, this is my introduction. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Andrea, touching upon some issues that we're going to definitely dig into deeper in the discussion. So thank you for that. Um, I'll now pass the floor uh, to Sarah for uh, your opening remark. Is Sarah online? Okay, no, I think we've just lost Sarah for a moment, some technical issues, no problem. We will go for, um, we'll go to Erin then for, for your opening remark. The floor is yours. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you for this opportunity. FAO is committed to the global fight against emergence and spread of AMR, which is following the action plan, the global action plan uh, published by WHO in 2015. This underlined the importance of the One Health approach whenever we uh, try to tackle the threat of AMR. 
FAO works closely with WHO in, in the OIE, the Animal, World Animal Health Organization, as a tripartite initiative, as well with other partners, such as Scottish Alimentarius Commission, the United Nations Environment, Environmental Program, and uh, different uh, institutions in academia and research institutions. FAO Action Plan on AMR focus on main four areas, which I will try to be brief and describe them. The first one is raising awareness. FAO believe that raising awareness among different stakeholders, from farmers to policymakers in the, in the government is extremely important in order to tackle the threat of AMR, which can be done, of course, using all the, the technology that we have today, particularly social media. The second is the developing capacity for surveillance and monitoring of AMR and, a, and, and also antimicrobial use in different agriculture system, uh, particularly in, in livestock. The capacity of uh, uh, taking samples like from, for animal health and uh, analyze them in the laboratory, detect the on time, in time, the antibiotic resistance is extremely important. The third one is stringing the, the governance related to AMR and anti, antimicrobial use in, uh, the agri in food and agriculture in general. The, the, in order to uh, tackle this threat, of course, you have to have the right policies and the right laws, but also to enforce them in an effective way. Finally, promoting good practices in food and agriculture system, uh, as well as the prudent, prudent use of antibiotics are crucial. Personally, I am a big uh, believer in uh, promoting these good practices because I believe that in the livestock sector, if you uh, promote uh, uh, good husbandry practices that aim at improving animal health, eventually you, 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 you don't need to use as much as antibiotics as uh, if you just uh, neglect the, the status of, of your animal. Uh, that's, that's basically the main uh, four, four pillars that we are focusing, and uh, I would be happy to continue the discussion later. Thank you. Thank you very much, Erin, for that overview. We still haven't quite got Sarah on the line, so Roxanne, I will come to you next for your opening statement. The floor is yours. Yes, of course. Thank you very much. Uh, you see that I'm Roxanne Feller, but I'm here speaking on behalf of Animal Health Europe. We represent the animal health industry, manufacturing uh, the medicines and the vaccines and other tools for the animal health here in Europe and over the world. But I represent Europe. Uh, maybe one little parenthesis. Maybe this is a good sign. Unfortunately, we can't see and hear Sarah for now to ensure that we have uh, broadband all over Europe, especially in, in agricultural areas. Sorry, that's just place my placing a little a little uh, message here. Uh, so uh, on, on behalf of Animal Health Europe, uh, we have three main messages at this stage I'd like to share with you. Uh, the first one could have been the one that uh, uh, Andrea just said, and I'm glad to see Andrea, it's been a while. Uh, we, we are, of course, looking at uh, reducing uh, antibiotics, but we talk about reducing the need, not only the use, but the need for antibiotics in, in the livestock sector. Because at the end of the day, it, it's not about reduction as such. Uh, it's about making sure that those antibiotics that we need, and when I say we, uh, I would say farmers, but especially in the human sector that are still working 
because if you have a disease caused by a bacteria and then you use an antibacterial and antibiotic and it doesn't work, then you're in trouble. So I think we're all committed under the One Health approach to make sure that we need to reduce the need for antibiotics so that we keep them working. The second message I would like to share with you, and that could have been the one that uh, I could have totally <laughs> said what Erin had said, uh, my message is let's use our antibiotics responsibly. And what does that mean? Of course, it means ensuring good husbandry, good housing, we call that biosecurity, ensure also good hygiene practices, make sure that you're uh, regularly monitoring your animals on your farm, appropriate nutrition is very important too, and also a responsible use of vaccines because to prevent is also a good way to avoid curing. We sometimes say prevention is better than cure. Um, then the uh, third message I'd like to, to convey here is that animal health is a precondition to animal welfare. Um, if you, when you think of yourself, um, if your animal is not healthy, that means if it's sick, clearly you don't feel well. Um, you, you, you need to, 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 to make sure that all animals uh, are, 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 are kept healthy. And as Animal Health Europe, we have absolutely no uh, pre conception of what type of farming system is the one that is the, the best for that. Uh, there's some good in all types of farming uh, methods. And for us, all animals are equal and deserve being treated. So in a nutshell for now, uh, Natasha, I would say that we advocate for antibiotics that should only ever be used as little as possible, but as much as necessary. And I'll be more than happy to answer more questions later on in the debate. Thank you very much. Excellent. Thank you very much, Roxanne, raising some really interesting points there. Um, and we finally have Sarah back with us. Um, Roxanne raised the issue. We need broad, good broadband across the EU, <laughs> clearly. Um, Sarah, I'll come to you now for, uh, for your opening remarks. The floor is yours. Yes. Thank you so much. And sorry that I have technical problems. So I'm not sure what you have uh, seen till now. I think it's quite clear that we need to focus much more on prevention. At the moment, we only try to fix problems, but that's just not good enough, especially in the context of AMR and the global health threat it represents. An important element for prevention is, of course, animal husbandry practices and the impact they have on animal health. I think it is quite clear that we must scrap industrial animal farming models and move to systems that are land-based and raise much fewer, but much but much healthier animals in conditions that are appropriate for the natural requirement of each species. But focusing on husbandry practices alone is not enough. An important aspect of animal welfare often neglected, which we urgently need to address, is breeding. In fact, I think breeding is crucial because animals are bred only for performance without regard of the physiological limits of their bodies. Thus, animals face dual sources of stress, one caused by the unnatural environment they live in every day, which does not allow them to live out their natural behaviors and where they are cramped into an insufficient space with sometimes thousands and thousands other animals. And there is the pressure to breed for ever more performance, such as faster growth and weight gain, more egg or milk production or higher reproduction rates or more breast um, uh, at, by the turkeys. 
Essentially, modern breeding targets have led to what it's termed as Qualzucht in German, roughly meaning torture breeding with disastrous results for animal health. So when we speak about reducing the use of antibiotics, we cannot only set reduction targets as this will not necessarily mean that we tackle the underlying issues. Rather, we must start at the beginning of the chain and for that we cannot ignore breeding. Thank you. Thank you very much. Raising a very interesting issue there of breeding um, and we'll definitely come back to that to explore a little bit more later on. Um, and yet lastly, uh, and then definitely not least, um, Lara, let me come to you um, for your opening statement. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you to all the panelists. I'm really honored to stay here today with you representing AVEC, the European Poultry Sector Association. Uh, I am uh, uh, the director of Juno Italia. In Italia is the Italian association representing more than 90% of the Italian poultry production. And uh, I have been called to illustrate the Italian uh, experience in reduction of use of antibiotics. We have to step back in 2013 when the debate in Italy on AMR, but let's say EU, became stronger and created more awareness on the public health risk connected to the resistance of pathogens to some antibiotics. So the sector that I represent started with a deep reflection, having clear that we were using in Italy a large quantity of antibiotics, both in human than in livestock. And so we decided to be proactive and fast and to be part of the solution of this issue. So we decided to gather together all the stakeholders, poultry farmers, processors, public health authority, which means Ministry of Health, animal health and welfare specialists. And we built a plan that was voluntary, but we covered more than 85% of the Italian poultry production thanks to the high level of integration vertically of the poultry chain in Italy and science-based with our health approach. The, the roadmap of the plan uh, was stretched over a period of four years and targeted both chickens and turkeys. Uh, we took as starting point the antimicrobial use in 2011 and we set as an initial target a reduction of 50% within 2015 to arrive to a 40% in 2018. What we see, the results that we have seen were surprising and amazing because we reached the target of 2018 already uh, two years before. That's why in 2017, we uh, plan uh, a new uh, reduction plan, uh, focusing our attention more on qualitative aspect. The aim was not merely the reduction of the amount of antibiotic used in our sector, but we wanted to have an impact on the reduction of those antibiotics identified as critically important for human health. More attention has been paid on the, this kind of antibiotics, uh, aiming to globally reduce it. In particular, we fully banned, starting from 2017, the use of colistin in broilers. And we only allow injectable use for turks, for turkeys. While third and fourth generation cephalosporin 
uh, was banned already in 2009. So uh, the final goal, the final result uh, in 2019, uh, compared to our starting point, has been approximately, approximately a reduction of, of 87% in broilers and 75% in turkeys, with an average of 82%. Uh, that's all. If you want, to, I can explain how we achieve these results in the coming uh, section. We'll thank definitely you. dig into that. Definitely. Um, thank you very much, Nikkei, for your, for your opening uh, remarks there. So now let's get stuck into the debate today. And for the first question, I'm going to turn to you, Roxanne. I mean, I think we've had a, a pretty good uh, a pretty good introduction to the topic here, but perhaps you could just set the scene a little bit for us for our discussion today. Um, could you give us a kind of overall picture of the use of antimicrobials in the EU at the moment, the state of play, um, how how the sector compares to the rest of the world and you know are we heading in a generally positive direction in, in your opinion? Thank you for giving me this uh, this opportunity. Um, I, what I will be telling you is not me saying it, it it's the facts uh, from a study that is led by the European Commission, the European Medicines Agency and the EFSA, European Food Safety Authority, if I'm not mistaken. And the idea is that they have uh, monitored the use for anti of antibiotics, the sales of antibiotics for at least um, 11 years now. And it, the reduction has been of more than 34% overall in Europe, overall for all the, the type of productions, overall for all types of animals used in, uh, in production. So first of all, that's a pretty good number. And uh, so we have to acknowledge that. Of course, then we might need in the longer run to differentiate uh, between the countries and between the types of productions, particularly the types of animals, because uh, maybe some efforts can still be made, uh, you know, in, in, in one part of, of uh, some in some countries and, and more in some types of uh, in some some animals. But um, go, going down, I, mean, I wouldn't want that we go down forever because. Uh, Imagining a world without antibiotics would not be the way forward. Um, at least that's not the way we see it. Uh, but I think we're in the right direction. We're just a little bit questioning, and I'm glad we have we have somebody here uh, where that shows us why we the farm to fork has set the 50% production target. Uh, where where does it come from? That's a little bit my question. But clearly, my message here is we've been doing great. Since 2011, uh, it's the European Medicines Agency report that says it, and we're ready to, of course, continue the, ch the challenge that's been set, and we will do everything to do to combat antimicrobial resistance in particular. So definitely an interesting kind of generally positive, there's been some progress made and, and more to make. Yeah. Um, so. Um, Sarah, let me turn to you now. I mean, we've heard, I think, everyone that mentioned in their introductory remarks, this, this One Health approach. Um, perhaps you could elaborate a little bit on what we mean by a One Health approach and why it's so important when it comes to, to this issue. Um, yes, uh, to say it very simple, because we are not um, alone, we are connected with everything and everybody uh, in our environment. So our health means also the health from the soil and the health from the animals and then the health from ourselves. So it's uh, really important to 
uh, work um, to let the boundaries with with closed circle behind and to work from hand to hand together and uh, thinking the whole chains of problems uh, to tackle them. Otherwise, we will not have a chance if we just pick few things uh, out and we let the other go to say it like this. Hmm. This kind of more holistic approach um, taking into account it's how a, everything is connected. Mm -hmm. and, yes, I, I mean, okay. we have... Sorry. No, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so we see that um, it's not just the animal welfare problem, the antibiotics and the medicine. We know that uh, uh, AMI is also linked by farming and for some human infections such as um, Campylobacter or Salmonella, uh, they um, uh, farm antibiotics used in the main cause uh, of resistance in human infections. And farm antibiotics use is, has uh, significantly contributed to the rise of new uh, and almost untreatable type of E. coli, which is causing large numbers of deaths in the UK and elsewhere. So we cannot say uh, we just tackle one problem. Also, the, the reserve antibiotics is a huge problem that we don't have any one that is just left for our humans. And uh, as I mentioned, that the breeding system and the animal um, agriculture system uh, is very, very bad for our environment, but also for our health. And then in the end, also for the health for the animals. Yeah, definitely recognizing this interconnection of uh, human and animal health and the relationship between the two. Um, so we've heard kind of quite generally, you know, about what's happening at the EU level, about this one uh, one health approach. Um, Lara, perhaps we can zoom in a little bit now um, and talk about your specific example from uh, from Italy, because something uh, something I hear quite a lot, and I, I've, I've heard many times actually, is that with kind of warmer southern countries, they have to rely more on antibiotics to kind of combat higher levels of bacteria, more disease. Um, but it's really interesting what you were saying, this average of 82% um, reduction in Italy's um, poultry sector. It's a very interesting example of a southern country that's managed to kind of slash its antibiotic use. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you achieved this um, and, you know, kind of looking to the future, how you can, how you can continue to build on this? Yes, uh, for sure. I think that the first point to be successful has been uh, to promote a cultural change of farming management and to show that change was possible and even convenient. Um, that's why uh, we uh, focused the attention on um, uh, involving all farmers and training. Uh, I want to point out that our plan, the, the reduction in our plan has been considered just as final result of a process of a set of measures in place in order to have no need to treat the animals. The pillars of our plan was improve the level of biosecurity in the farm, improve the animal welfare practices, and most important, to improve the awareness of farmers and veterinary practitioners on the rational use of antimicrobials. Uh, they wanted to be, to be part of the change, uh, but they didn't want to be left alone. And here comes uh, the, importance, the importance of a good communication strategy. Uh, 
um, farmers have to be reassured that this innovation will have, uh, would have not bad impact on their revenues. And uh, uh, also to recognize uh, uh, the effort made. For example, um, our association a couple of years ago, five years ago, introduced uh, the Poultry Farmer of the Year Award. The farmers who has distinguished uh, in terms of innovation, animal welfare, uh, less use of antibiotics, improving uh, uh, biosecurity or uh, uh, environmental impact, um, receive a reward by Unitalia to reinvest in the facilities. And this kind of initiative, uh, which means to spread best practices, uh, to, to, to create a, a, a standard even more high, uh, with a good competition with farmers uh, has been also loaded by the European Commission, by uh, FBO in a recent audit in Italy on the issue of uh, antimicrobial resistance as one of the good pra practices to put in place to create this uh, change, a cultural change. And what we see that after this strong work, uh, we, we made really, really a strong and fast uh, job on this issue. And the results uh, we, we are um, looking now in terms of reduction of resistance. Because as far as we know, uh, the uh, reduction in use of antimicrobial is in terms of timing not directly proportional with the uh, uh, reduction of resistance. But if you look at the recent report by the European Food Safety Authority on, uh, on this issue, we uh, have clearly seen that there is a declining trend in resistance. And uh, furthermore, an increasing trend in number of uh, fully susceptible uh, isolates on antimicrobial. So we mm -hmm. are really proud of, of this job. We, we are perfectly aware that this is the right way to move. And as well as, you know, you've highlighted the, the case of Italy here, as well as there being kind of differences between EU countries, there's also quite marked difference in progress between different uh, sub subsections of the livestock sector, you know, between different species. Um, Lara, perhaps, perhaps you could elaborate a little bit more on this. Why is there this difference between different species? And, and what does it mean for the way that we need to kind of target our, our efforts on antimicrobial resistance? Um, I, I think there, there could be different uh, uh, situation in the different member states and in the different sector. For example, in Italy, um, we have been successful and also fast because the, um, the sector is structured with a high level of integration, which means that um, all the, 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 all the steps of the chain are strictly, strictly interconnected, have a lot of change uh, support and uh, change of best practice technologies. Uh, there are uh, other sectors that uh, um, have not this, the, the same level of integration. And this, this creates more difficult to be um, successful in, in, uh, in training, in uh, spreading best practices. But for example, in Italy, we are trying to export uh, the good example of the poultry sector also in other sectors, such as the pig one, because we represent as Italia also a small part of the pig sector, uh, the one who is integrated in a vertical chain. 
so uh, I think that uh, what the panelists said uh, before, it is really important to focus on training and best practice, to work together in the same direction to be successful. And um, Andrea, let me let me turn to you now. Um, so, so we've heard that there's kind of these differences in, in between different countries, different sectors. Um, I think Roxanne uh, raised in her opening remark about this 50% uh, target set in the farm to fork strategy and why it was set um, at the level it was. And I suppose uh, I'm kind of wondering as well, you know, it sets this kind of blanket target. But how 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 important is it to make this kind of more, maybe more targeted? How can we account for this variation and these different kind of starting points within different sectors? Yes, <clears throat> Natasha, thank you. Definitely the target, as you know, has been a, a relevant uh, decision because in, when you have to fix uh, objective and you are working on a strategy, strategy that is globally viewed, uh, clear cut, uh, you are um, also in the need to set up uh, a benchmark. Uh, and uh, the trend uh, comes from, of course, uh, the analysis of the different trends that were showing, uh, for example, by FSAC and so on. And uh, it is, in fact, um, uh, we can say a sort of um, an important, also symbolic element. Uh, the, it's going hand in hand with this demand of change. I pick up from uh, all the speakers here, including Sarah, uh, spoke about the idea of uh, guiding from Europe a sort of change in uh, looking for what we consume in terms of meat, for example, that is the subject of this uh, discussion. Uh, the fact that we embed uh, good farming practices, but even a new way to approach the breeds of animals we bring on in terms of their productivity. And, and of course, we embrace in this um, not only what I represent, Digisante, but Digitrade, Digiagri, all the policies that are connected with, uh, with in fact, the farming system. Uh, the, the target, so the 50%, as we said, is important, uh, in my opinion, uh, uh, to show the way even more that uh, what is a concrete measure like the one we have uh, in the in the regulation uh, that uh, we have in VMP like the ban on the use uh, as I said as group promoter uh, or uh, the prevention uh, to reduce uh, them uh, for preventive using medicated feed or or or, or other similar uh, um, rules I mean what I try to say that because I come also from animal welfare side the rules are relevant, they set the ambition, but most important are the means and how the professionality, the knowledge, the system around the food is, and I include uh, this uh, the consumer, are aware that is a common target, a common goal uh, to, uh, to achieve. For me, that's why I believe that also talking about One Health is extremely important because uh, um, the means of coordinating health uh, for uh, animals uh, in Europe uh, is, uh, are historically uh, standing there since a long time. And uh, uh, the means for uh, human health uh, we see are uh, uh, less binding and uh, need to be and will be reinforced stronger and stronger, having learned from this pandemic. So we see how we have a great opportunity to talk about 
and the opportunity to bring in this one health all these uh, two spheres together at the same pace. And that for a, a fighting IMR is a clear cut uh, dimension. Uh, I conclude also saying that, uh, uh, in my opinion, we have uh, also signs from the citizen that are really signs that are important to read, not only when we have this agreement that they come on this 50%. For example, when we talk about the end of the KHH uh, uh, initiative, where we have uh, um, one million and 500,000 citizens on that. And uh, when you are there, uh, you reflect and you understand probably that behind a symbol of a cage, like the 50% of antibiotics reduction, there is probably a lecture of what you wish for the future. And this is the reality of Brussels, to work together hand in hand. We represent industry here, farmer, uh, we represent a multilateral organization and a chef that is in fact at the end. <laughs> but I think this is the real thing. And, and, and that's, mm -hmm. that's the advantage. Yeah, it's interesting what you say. It's kind of like a symbolic um, target, but I mean, in, in terms of, in terms of, tar you know, as I was talking about, the different starting points of of the different um, areas, the different sectors. You know, how how can the how can the strategy account account for that, Andrea? Uh, sorry, at the moment uh, I lost a little of this the 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 message. Could you repeat? Would you like to repeat? Yeah, of course. I was just yeah. bringing it oh. back again to the, to this point of different starting points in different sectors and and how how we can you know there's just one blanket kind of fifty percent um, target which I think you said was kind of a symbolic statement and this and this target and um, very ambitious but I, I'm wondering you know how can we take into account the fact that some sectors are starting from different from different points. Ah, it comes in a way from the consultation of member states. This was agreed, as you know, and uh, is, been, is in the strategy as an element uh, that came uh, by a long consultation of different parties. So we have to say the different level. Of course, we are going to assess this, and even uh, we start now a, an important project uh, that will uh, allow to uh, benchmark the different national plan uh, for uh, for IMR, and this is uh, one of the priority we have uh, for for the future uh, months. Director F is in fact uh, leading on that. So for me, the fact that it has been agreed and uh, globally uh, uh, we can say shared, it's it's already a validation that uh, there is this ambition. Uh, it was carefully considered. Uh, we have recommendations that uh, come from the different members uh, that were done to different member states and we have a response to it. Mm -hmm. So it, it is factually based on that. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Um, Eran, let me turn to you now for maybe a slightly slightly provocative question. Um, I think, you know, um, Roxanne said in her introductory remarks that, um, you know, we, we wouldn't want a world where, you know, where there's no antibiotics, that it's not the way forward. And I wanted to draw on your experience here as a vet um, and kind of offer your perspective on, you know, some people would say, well, we should simply restrict antibiotic use just to humans. But is it that simple? You know, why are antibiotics um, so important for use in animal agriculture? Why, why do they need to be kind of part of this toolbox in for animal health? Well, thank you for the provocative question. Um, <laughs> <You're> I, <welcome. laughs> 
I can't uh, imagine uh, the world without antibiotics, uh, as we cannot imagine. I mean, we cannot imagine human medicine without antibiotics. Similarly, uh, animal health cannot be maintained without antibiotics. But definitely, uh, we can reduce the need for it, and through as explained the good practices, etc. I definitely think that uh, the world should move like he, like Europe toward uh, uh, prohibiting the use of antibiotics as a growth promoters or or as a general prevention measure for diseases. But unfortunately, we we live in a, a world uh, full of bugs, and, uh, and animals get sick. And uh, when animals get sick, uh, we need to. To help them, uh, so it's an issue of uh, also animal welfare beyond the protecting your uh, production assets as a farmer. Let's say let's take a, a simple calf, a few days old calf. If it, it's born into a dirty environment and it doesn't get his uh, first uh, colostrum in time, most likely it will get sick from different uh, gastrointestinal uh, bacteria. Uh, so you want to save this calf that probably can be also a very good future cow, milking cow. You need to, among other things, among other things, you need to also provide some antibiotics. Or uh, the same thing about uh, poultry. If you you see that there is a outbreak of salmonella that you could not avoid by good uh, husband husbandry practices uh, in time. You need to use them, but once again, I mean, it, it's not about using the antibiotics. There's no doubt we need to do that. The, the, the challenge is really to prevent, as, an, as mentioned here, prevention, prevention, prevention is uh, done by adopting good practices, uh, hygiene, biosecurity, uh, not not too many uh, crowded animals in, in a certain surface, etc. But the use of antibiotics will be always, hopefully, we will be able to use them for for long term, uh, simply because we cannot get rid of uh, diseases. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And you know, Roxanne, you were the one to, to raise that in your introductory remarks. Do you have anything to add um, to, to that to that statement? Well. Yes, um, maybe one item that hasn't been brought in to um, feed into the discussion of reducing the need is maybe also include the responsible use of vaccines. Because when it can be done, of course, uh, use vaccines in the sense that uh, if, if, if we could, we would have vaccines for every type of disease, uh, but it's not the reality. And so, uh, like Erin just said, we, we, we need to keep on having that in the toolbox uh, for, for the animals. So yes, prevention is better than cure, but let's not forget that you need to cure uh, whatever you do. And and mm -hmm. maybe one more item, maybe one more item about, about uh, uh, antimicrobial resistance. Um, in fact, not so many animals are resistant to antibiotics. It's usually the, the, the humans. So, I mean, our, our objective here as the animal health sector is of course, to work and combat and, and help in the fight against antibiotic resistance in humans. Uh, 
Uh, and, and we've been doing that for over 15 years in our industry with a platform called EPRUMA, European Platform for Responsible Use of Medicines in Animals. And uh, we started off by working on responsible use of antibiotics. So it, it's been a, something on our minds for more than 15 years and we'll continue to, to fight against antibiotic resistance uh, in humans as much as we can. And Sarah, I can see you wanted to come in on this point. I thought this question might spark some debate. Um, what's your response to, to these statements you've heard and to this question? Yes, I want to say healing one animal, very good. But routine antibiotics use is enabling the continuation of intensive farming systems and fueling the antibiotic resistance crisis in people. So uh, these life-saving medicines are abused to perpetuate and prop up a broken farming system uh, because this way the lifetime of the sick agriculture system is prolonged more and more. Um, animals do not need routine antibiotics to stay healthy. Organic and higher welfare systems use antibiotics sparingly and only when animal needs it. And livestock should and can be kept healthy through good husbandry and welfare, rather than through bought-in immunity. For example, a study recently published by the Alliance to Save Our Antibiotics has shown that organic livestock farmers certified by the Soil Association in the UK use four times less antibiotics than the national average across all animal species, which clearly shows that we can do much better. So uh, prevention is very important, but also we have to speak about our agriculture system and what we can really do to um, reduce antibiotics and uh, prevent not uh, to, um, to um, how do you say, to, to give a door for more AMR. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned this re this report, um, which actually I'm going to come to a little bit later to hear, hear your views on. Um, so we've sparked a bit of a debate here. There's um, a few people that'd like to come in um, on this and respond to your uh, your comments about routine antibiotic use. Um, Eran, did, did you want to come in on this one? Yes, please. Uh, well, first, uh, I totally agree with Sarah, uh, but would like to bring uh, another perspective uh, in regard to vaccine, Roxanne, uh, it's important to remember that many of the vaccines for animals are for viral diseases. So the infection with bacteria that antibiotics are supposed to work on are generally secondary infections. Um, but uh, we have some good vaccines for, for bacterial diseases. And again, we, we need to, of course, to use them. I'm totally in that, uh, supporting that. Uh, in regard to, we, uh, if there is a, the problem is that in many countries, uh, outside the EU at least, we don't know if there is a, a lot uh, antibacterial resistance among animals, we, because there is no, no surveillance, nothing. I think in, in Europe itself, it's still a lot to do and to improve this kind of surveillance. But in many other countries, one, some of them are trying to access the, the EU. Uh, is no no such surveillance. So this knowledge is a total uh, black hole, if if you want to say. The mm. problem with antibiotic use in many countries, in poor countries and poor population, is that uh, th there's no there's no veterinarian nearby to get his, his advice. So people are 
have easy access to, to antibiotics, and they do that in order to save their, their assets, their, their livelihood. So in, 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 in the reality of EU, it's very easy to say, look, you know, uh, almost every farmer has good access to a veterinarian, but this still is not reality of many, many other countries surrounding uh, the EU, and we need to keep that in mind. Mm. Definitely very important to keep this kind of outward perspective. Um, and you mentioned um, vaccines here, I think, um, and Roxanne, you mentioned them as well. I mean, we talk about vaccines all the time at the moment. I think I, we hear about it all the time in the context of COVID-19. But you touched upon here, I mean, how important are the role of vaccines in the reduction of antibiotics in animal health? Are they developed enough? You know, what's your response, Roxanne, to Aaron's point there um, about how can they help fight uh, AMR? You're asking me? Oh, Roxanne. Yes, yeah, sorry, Roxanne. That was sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yes. Uh, for, first, no I'd problem. like to uh, tell Sarah that uh, um, we're totally behind you when you're saying there's no don't want routine use of antibiotics uh, in animals. I mean, they, we are we've been saying that when the topic was high on the agenda during the VMP review, veterinary medicinal product review of our regulation. Uh, so totally uh, in agreement with you. And also, like Andrea said, uh, antibiotics use as growth promoters in, in Europe has been banned. And we totally support that. So that, that's really, really, really not what is at stake here. Um, what is at stake is uh, the, the, the fact that there are not vaccines for everything. Aaron said it. Uh, I didn't say it. And I know, of course, usually vaccines are for viruses. I think uh, I just got my vaccine shot before yesterday for, for the COVID uh, virus everybody knows about. So, you know, that is more doable. But uh, if, if we were able, uh, if we, uh, the, the medicinal industry, were able to do vaccines and prevent every disease, believe me, they would do it. But it's not just by wishing uh, that you can get it. Sometimes it's just technically very difficult. Maybe sometimes the molecules or the, uh, they're, they're very complex. And, and for some diseases, they've been working years trying to find a vaccine. So, uh, Yes, uh, I do believe that uh, if we can, we would prevent even more. But for now, unfortunately, inverted commas, hygiene practices, good nutrition, hygiene rules are, are the ones that we need to, uh, you know, to, to, to push. And, and maybe one last reaction also to, to Sarah. I, I, I get your, your concerns about breeding, you know, um, that it's, it's only for uh, more productivist reasons. But, but breeding has also uh, some very good, things to it because uh, I, I having been in that indirectly for for a few years uh, breeding can also uh, have animals that are less prone to diseases so I think breeding in general is, is can be good uh, also for helping in reduction for the need for antibiotics thank you for this mm -hmm. Sarah, perhaps you'd like to respond to that. You were talking about the need to consider breeding um, and, you know, how important good breeding practices are to ensure healthy animals and to decrease the likelihood of using antibiotics. Is there, in your opinion, enough focus on this aspect in the discussion on a ASMR, um, in your opinion? Um, thank you. Uh, uh, I have to say, uh, sadly, no, uh, no, I don't agree because uh, all uh, the resistances begin also with the intensity of the breeding. 
which makes the intensity of feeding and keeping worthwhile. Breeding inevitably reduces the self-regulatory mechanisms in the animals, forces performances that the animals would not otherwise provide and make it possible for the animals to perform even in spite of illness. The keeping of animals um, exacerbate disease pressure, stable act as fast breeding grounds for bacteria. Disinfections and medicines, not only antibiotics, have an antimicrobial effect and aggregate, aggra uh, aggravate uh, the development of resistances in all mic microorganisms, just like out, um, outside. So we wouldn't sit here if we wouldn't know, we all know that really the AMR is the hugest threat that we will focus in the next years. And of course, we know that uh, a lot of this anti-AMR uh, comes from the husbandry. And really, we have also to tackle it and just, just not from the queue from the beginning. From not, uh, we just tackle uh, the problems that plop out, uh, but we have really to focus on, on the roots and to tackle them. And then we are on this huge issue with breedings, what is really a threat and uh, has the impact that we have also, uh, as I mentioned, this word Qualzucht, yes. Um, a lot of things I can tell. And also it's not just about health. When we say one health approach, yes, the holistic way, then we have also to take about nutrition, about the quality of food, about agricultural systems, also about poor and rich and the climate crisis and the biodiversity crisis and the water crisis. So we have just a small focus with uh, our AMR, but uh, to say the truth, it impacts the whole chain and we have to change um, bravely this change if we want to have a future and our children, children a future. I know it's not easy, but we have to be brave and to focus uh, the new things and the better things. Mm -hmm. and, and Roxanne, what's your response to that? I mean, about this uh, this issue of breeding, and then I think I will come to Lara to hear um, also maybe your experiences with breeding, perhaps from the Italian perspective. Well, first I'll react on like Sarah. I have children, and I hope one day to have grandchildren. So uh, this, of course, is also my objective to make sure that we give them a, ni a nice world. Uh, but I'm not saying it; it's, it's studies saying it, and I. Let's bring back, you know, things into perspective. My, my understanding is that 75% of total of the burden of the infections associated with antibiotic resistance comes from uh, comes from the human healthcare sector. Again, I don't want to name and shame, but that this is why uh, the, the holistic approach that we've been talking about, the One Health approach we've been talking about, I think it's for everyone to take their part of the responsibility, but by only reducing and, and targeting only the animal health sector will not bring the results that we are hoping for. That, that's, that's all I want to say for now, for now. And Lara, let me come to you um, on, on this issue, this issue of breeding, which I think is very interesting, perhaps doesn't have enough focus, as Sarah has has uh, spoken about. You spoke about this multi-pronged uh, approach that you had in Italy uh, involving animal welfare. Was breeding part of this? What's your response to this? Yes, first of all, I would like to stress out that in Europe, we do not use routinely antibiotics. We use it uh, as a final part of a process uh, in, in farming, in breeding, when necessary. 
under the mantra as less as possible as much as necessary uh, under strict control and following exactly what the uh, European rules said and we, do we have not forget that European standards are the, the higher in the world and uh, uh, that's uh, why uh, I would not like to polarize the debate within a sustainable or unsustainable model. Uh, I represent uh, organic farming, free range and mostly conventional. Uh, I would like to, to stress out that the debate uh, should focus on uh, sustainable or unsustainable business practices because we can find really good farmer in conventional system and bad farmer in organic one. I think we have to try all together, uh, not depending on the model, but depending on the, how we improve the standard in each model. Because if we look also at the farm to fork strategy uh, in terms of good sustainable aspect, any model has pro and cons. So we have to start with a full um, comprehensive debate, science-based, not ideological, and try all together to create a spread of best practice within any model in order to achieve the goal that the farm to fork strategy is aiming to, to achieve. I think this is a really important point. Thank you for that, um, Lara. Andrea, I'll turn to you now um, for, your, for your response to this. What's your reaction um, to the discussion we've had here so far? Thank you, Natasha. Well, uh, Lara knows uh, how Italian consumers are picky on these issues. And so, not by chance, uh, production uh, system and farming in this area and the program she presented are quite advanced. Now, I start saying simply uh, that um, we have, um, and I, I also pick up from uh, Roxanne and, and Sarah, in my opinion, uh, the lessons learned by this pandemic are very important. And one talk about the, the daily, how we have a delicate system that has to be resilient to important crises uh, like this one. Uh, and uh, the task of this system, this full system is really to get uh, shaped to be capable to deliver uh, uh, as much as possible uh, food that um, <laughs> act even as a, a prevention for, for in fact, uh, big other pandemics. Uh, IMR is a, a possible pandemic. And um, as a consequence, I think that um, what is done and ongoing on food and farming is really advanced in Europe, is really top. And we can only be pragmatic and pick up uh, a lot of uh, the models and the best practices that we speak about and what was mentioned uh, and see how far we could also uh, transform this in this one health, a real strong one health situation. Because in fact, uh, a lot is done also on the other side, the human side. But um, definitely uh, we are in the need today to merge as much as we can these good practices and uh, to respond uh, with a, a very much synchronized uh, system. And I pick up from what has been said also by, by Roxanne. Um, 
He's quite funny, I repeat, and I conclude saying that um, one of the bridge between the two is, is welfare. Why? In my opinion, I am in welfare since 20 years, and Roxanne knows very well. Uh, in fact, uh, I'm there because it's a bridge where people that are caring about their health, are caring about the eat, and are caring about you care about the animals. And there is a chain there uh, that is the bridge, in my opinion. And that could help to reinforce this concept of one health, because it's the way we see as a unique animal, farmer, food, use of a vaccine and also as preventive, sure, but also of medicaments because we need them too, it's true, as a unique global envelope that is called the One Health. But we don't have the instruments for all. That's good that now we talk. Mm -hmm. And talking about kind of merging these competences and sharing of best practices, um, Aaron, building on something I think you touched upon in your introductory remarks, the importance of kind of communication, um, training, which is something that Lara also brought up. Um, from your experience, how best can we build these bridges um, for this One Health approach and to learn best from uh, all the different sectors, all the best practices and share them um, with farmers? I think... These days, better than ever, the technology allows us to uh, enjoy uh, whatever we want in terms of uh, communication. Uh, we have seen that, of course, the fact that we have this meeting uh, online and not person-to-person uh, -person only just uh, emphasizes the, the new trend. So uh, I, the sky is the limit in terms of what you can do in terms of raising awareness among different uh, stakeholders or uh, actors, if you want to say, uh, uh, taking advantage of technology, uh, ad ad adapting or uh, adjusting uh, the messages to, to different level of education and to different needs, etc. So I, I definitely believe in, in, in raising awareness. Uh, from my perspective, raising awareness among veterinarians, among farmers is definitely possible, but it requires time. It requires time and it, it's, it's not, it's um, almost never can come by itself. It's a standalone because raising awareness uh, need uh, to be done also in a conductive environment. So if, uh, if there are policies if, uh, that are uh, allowing uh, the, the reduced use of uh, antibiotics, etc., these uh, the raising awareness uh, actions will, will uh, bring their fruits, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And Lara, you know, we've heard about your experiences from Italy and, you know, you were talking about that you wanted to kind of make the, this experience um, a blueprint for other sectors. You spoke about the, the pig sector. Uh, how best can we encourage kind of this knowledge sharing between sectors, in your opinion? And um, maybe you could elaborate a bit more on the kind of training uh, aspect as well. Yes, uh, for example, uh, in Italy, uh, we arranged as association in, in the last year, and we do not stop it, stop it even in pandemic time, uh, training course for farmers under the EU broiler directive. Uh, we arranged together with the public authorities and expert training course on importance of animal welfare. Uh, in which we, we put a lot of attention on the AMR issue. 
uh, we are trying to arrange uh, the same uh, kind of training also for pig farmers uh, because we think training change of best practice uh, uh, the important as association to be a, a link a contact point uh, between uh, expert public authorities and the, the producers the farmers is really 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 important and if we if we have been so successful in achieving this goal uh, it has been thanks to this continuous dia dialogue within all stakeholders and uh, i think this is really really uh, an important point because we can drive the change uh, having in mind that we have to involve and show that another way it is possible and what i can say is that we never reared our animal as well as today even if we look at the recent past and for sure there is room to improve we have to do part of the solution of the AMR issue because it's a really important public health issue. But we have to be aware also that um, the, the one health approach is needed because uh, we can do our part as livestock sector, okay, and we will do it. But we have to involve also citizens uh people as citizen in terms of awareness of uh, uh, prudent use of antibiotics in humans or in pets for example and also as consumers explaining for example as we are trying to do in our um, communication program that we have under the umbrella of the eu promotion policy uh, that uh, a consumer is part of the food safety chain from farm to fork for example, with correct practices uh, in the kitchen in order to avoid cross-contamination, for example, to, to have the right behavior also in manipulating food. This is, I, I think, uh, another really important point. Mm -hmm. And Sarah, I just wanted to come back to something that you actually already mentioned. This, this paper, um, I think from the Soil Association that was um, talking about organic production and how it uses on average less antibiotics and picking up on something Lara said about you know there are pros and cons of both organic and conventional what I'm wondering is what is the best way that we can help transfer knowledge of best practice between the organic and conventional livestock sector um, you know what can we learn from the um, organic sector in this respect obviously as, as an organic farmer yourself I'd like to, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on this. I would say it's uh, for me it's a little bit simple because I could say why promoting a conventional system if uh, it has much more risks and more antibiotic use and also more use from pesticides and so on other poison stuff and has a lot of more density in um, animal um, farming than another system who is really uh, could be the future for us uh, all of us. So I'm, I agree totally when, uh, when there is the saying that um, there are good farmers on each side. But I don't speak about farmers because it shouldn't, uh, the, to doing the right should be the simplest and the easiest way. And uh, using less antibiotics in this conventional system is better than using 
a lot of antibiotics, but it's not good enough. We shouldn't use um, any antibiotics then when it's really, really important. And there is an, uh, the veterinary medicine regulations will be applicable at uh, January uh, 20, uh, 2022. And it includes some good developments that uh, important ways to reduce the use of antibiotics. So as um, you cannot uh, authorize antibiotics to compensate poor hygiene or husbandry practices. So um, I think we know that the European citizens don't want uh, this kind of animal farming. Why not changing it? It could be really uh, a way to the future. And it could be good for our health and the health for the environment and also for the health of the health of the of of ourselves so uh, i think for me it's really clear and and it's obvious that this agro um, conventional agro systems went to a wall yes we all these problems we have comes also not not alone but also from these conventional agriculture systems and also uh, that uh, the farmer, my neighbor, conventional farmer is my enemy, can't be. This is not the way we want to communicate and to uh, want to live together. Uh, so, I mean, why don't use a system who is a win-win situation for everybody in the system? Definitely breaking those branches between the two um, sectors. Um, Roxanne, I will just come to you for, for a response on that. Um, what's your reaction Thank to you. that statement? I'll be, I'll be very quick because I know you want some time for Q&As and I love Q&As. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe one thing, two things to remember. The first one is that uh, no antibiotic is ever given without the approval and the prescription of a vet. So it's not a random use of, of antibiotics, you know, just spraying them around. That, that's the first thing. And um, I, I, I'm difficult for me to accept that uh, in the legislation that the, 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 the management of how we will be using antibiotics in the future is is not to, it's never written anywhere, to combat poor hygiene or husbandry practices. Uh, it, they, it is, uh, we have some, some items in this legislation and I'm just making sure I get the right ones here very quickly. We have this new legislation in order to ensure that we don't have a, uh, we use them as growth promoters. This is this is kept and that, that has been enforced for more than with more than 10 years in Europe. We also have a ban on the prevented use of antibiotics in groups on animals. Uh, and there's also will be a ban on antimicrobials for reserve for human use only. Those, those are the real scientific things that are behind the, the new VNP. Thank you. Thank you very much, Roxanne. And just lastly, in the last five minutes, um, I want to zoom out here a little bit because we've focused a lot on the EU, but this is, of course, a global a global issue. There needs to be a global perspective on this. So, Erin, let me just come to you um, quickly to kind of talk more about a global perspective. What I'm interested in is how the EU compares to the global um, use and, and trend that we see. We spoke about the, the fact that growth um, antibiotics for growth promotion is banned in the EU, but what's the kind of the situation in, in the rest of the world and how can the EU work to encourage more global collaboration on antimicrobial resistance as such a global issue? Well, thank you very much for, for this question because uh, 
the the EU uh, indeed is uh, in some in some aspects years ahead of of the rest of the world, even uh, what we call uh, high income countries, including North America, in terms of using antibiotics. Um, and uh, because of that, it can it can serve as a model for many countries. We we often use the uh, examples from uh, from uh, EU countries like Denmark, Belgium, Netherlands. Uh, how how indeed the uh, the use of antibiotic can be reduced, uh, and this is in, in in developing countries or middle income, low income countries. Uh, there are several issues that are crucial. It's it's beyond the fact that uh, uh, growth promoters are, are not allowed in the, in the in the EU. For example, the fact that a farmer cannot go to the to the pharmacy and buy antibiotics uh, as he wish just under a veterinary prescription. Uh, while it's it's true for many other developed developed countries. It's absolutely not the case in middle-income or low-income countries, and uh, we have a lot of work to do there. But even there, when when you try, when you think, oh, this is the first thing the countries need to do, this kind of policy, first is how to uh, enforce the uh, the law, and second is once again, if there is no good veterinary service to to replace this need of going uh, to the to the pharmacy without a prescription. You will never be able to to do that because farmers needs to cure their animals. So this is one example. Another good example that, uh, if I'm not wrong, in many uh, countries in the EU is uh, is like this: is that veterinarians cannot make money by selling antibiotics. Uh, unfortunately, even in high income countries, particularly United States, particularly United States, and Canada and the, the country that I'm coming from, Israel, veterinarians make, make a lot of money by, by selling antibiotics. And, uh, the, and this is a huge, uh, it's a huge challenge in, in many other countries to in, impose or to implement the, this kind of uh, policies because we, we many, many developing countries try to take a example from developed countries and when we, we have we are facing with this kind of practices it's extremely difficult overall again to summarize i think eu is an example a very good example for for our work globally uh, but and we are looking for the eu also to to guide us uh, not only in terms of practices but also in terms of funding eu is the main main donor these days for, for FAO on antimicrobial resistance. That's great, thank you very much. I think that's given a great global perspective. And I just have one last question. I could keep talking about this for a lot longer, but I'm aware the clock is ticking. Um, for you, Andrea, on the point of kind of this global perspective, I mean, I know the farm to fork strategy also looks outward. It highlights the role of the trade policy, for example, plays in the reduction of antimicrobials um, and encouraging uh, other countries to kind of lower their use. I'm wondering um, for you, you know, how important do you consider trade for kind of raising international standards when it comes to AMR, also for protecting European producers um, from imports? Um, uh, uh, for last, a last comment from you, Andrea, on this point. 
Well, thank you, Natasha. Definitely very important. The dimension of uh, our bilateral talks and trade agreement are essential for uh, for this. Um, whatever is in the VMP, in a way, get into and uh, related to third country, got into a feedback mechanism with our partners, and uh, we have been in consultation to really increase the capacity to coordinate and cooperate. We have also success story already there because the, specifically this language on the fight to IMR is coming into uh, some of the current uh, free trade talks uh, and is also part of the current strategy for, uh, for sustainable trade. The problem here is um, exactly the magnitude, in my opinion, of, and the ambitions we have. Uh, the EU, as uh, was said by Aaron, is uh, leading, is uh, really uh, setting a bar here that uh, we see as essential, even to the survival of the system per se. Uh, that's, that's why um, we need also, um, we can say, pedagogic capacity there and to use uh, the cooperation of the organization that uh, are together with us, uh, like FAO, and OIE and uh, uh, WHO and uh, also UNEP and all the important uh, organizations that we see as a player on that. That's why we insist on this uh, international uh, side and we will keep on on that uh, even with more insistence in the future. Thank you very much, Andrea, and to all of you for this really interesting and very rich discussion. Um, I will now turn over to my colleague, Teresa, who's been taking questions from the audience and we'll put them to our panelists. So, Teresa, the floor is yours. Thank you very much, Natasha. We have a first question for Andrea from Paul-Henri Lava. Um, don't you think that front runners like Italian poultry sectors will be penalized uh, with the commission's target? Uh, well, I don't see this as a penalization, on the contrary, to be frontrunner. On the contrary, is to mark the way and uh, to be uh, supported, because the, the line uh, of, uh, has been also probably is more efficient than me on that, but the line taken is uh, uh, best practices and a good example for inspiring. So that's why not a penalization, on the contrary, to be really front in front of uh, marking uh, an efficient food system. Thank you very much. We have a second question, this time for um, Roxanne. Uh, Roxanne, um, the audience asks, um, do we have a clear picture of how much AMR is caused by the overuse of antibiotics in the livestock sector uh, versus human? <laughs> if, I, if only I could uh, share a, <laughs> a graph with you that my, my colleagues always put in my presentation when we have PowerPoints. Uh, it is, I think, the most complex question to which I don't have an answer to. Uh, the, the transmission of AMR in animals to humans. Um, I, I, it, it's so complex that I think even one hour from a specialist would be long enough to... to uh, to explain, but long story short, I really want the message to go through today that we, the animal health sector, and with our partners, I know, are there and committed to do and play our part in reducing any antimicrobial resistance in humans, and, and we'll do it 
until you know as much as possible um but to explain to you how much i don't know and i couldn't do it but i wish i could show you this graph it's a, it looks like a scribble but it's it's very scientific thank you very much roxanne um we have another question now for iran um, from bertha stenberg um, she asks how do you see the role of the eu in comparison with other parts of the world regarding the veterinary use of antibiotics well, again, uh, I think the the EU should be a, um, a model for, for many uh, developing countries, as we used to call them, or middle-income countries, uh, in many aspects in the legislation, but also in terms of practices. Uh, I think there's a good uh, representation here for organic farms and uh, farming in general. The advantage in... in um, in Europe compared to uh, other uh, developed countries like in the United States, but you can see a lot of uh, small farmers, uh, much more than uh, in the United States uh, and uh, Canada. Indeed, the reality of these small farmers uh, can serve as a very good example for uh, uh, veterinary practices or farming practices uh, around the world, particularly in middle-income uh, countries. So this, this is something that uh, both veterinarians and farmers can identify. The, this reality, the practices that they're using, can identify with and, and uh, also learn from them. And uh, that's from the practical perspective. But once again, I think the, the way uh, veterinary, uh, veterinary medicine is practiced in the EU should be a model for, for many other countries. As an example, as I mentioned, the way uh, veterinarians prescribe or uh, are not allowed to sell antibiotics to, to farmers. Thank you, Aaron. We have now a final question for Andrea. Um, and a member of the audience asks, is there a view on the prioritization of reducing different types of antibiotics? Aha, that's, that's quite a sophisticated question, honestly. It's very technical. As you know, we are, uh, I cannot answer really directly like this without having the background, the scientific data that are provided to us and elaborated, as you know, by the, the European Food Safety Authority. But uh, really, no problem to provide this information further. It's a difficult question because it's very technical at this stage. Thank you. Okay, so that finalizes our Q&A for today. I'll uh, pass the word back to you, Natasha. Thank you for those uh, questions, Teresa. So as I said, it's been a very interesting discussion. We've touched upon a lot of different issues. I would be interested to hear from all of you your closing remarks uh, and, and a bit of a, a reflection on maybe what we've spoken about today. Um, so let me turn to each of you uh, for your closing remarks and I will start with you, Andrea. Yes. Well, it was an opportunity to highlight um, in a holistic approach uh, what are the priorities for the Commission. And I think that uh, um, despite the COVID pandemic uh, putting a shadow all our work on IMR that started already years ago, uh, as everyone knows, the, we are uh, really even more than before in the, in the middle of a big challenge. And um, as a closing remark, I also I would underline that uh, 
this platform uh, also show how it's important to interact uh, with different uh, backgrounds and uh, looking into all the learning lessons we had because uh, the challenge for the future is still uh, very important. So that's for me is a work in construction and not only for the EU and I would uh, really be pleased to continue on that debate. Thank you. It would be great to continue on the debate. We're unfortunately running out of time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Over to you now, Sarah, for your closing uh, remarks. The floor is yours. Thank you. So first of all, I wanted to thank you all, uh, the European Commission and also the other uh, audience, that we have this uh, possibility to do uh, comments and to hear each other. Uh, I think uh, we are well aware uh, and we agree in a lot of things. So I will take a point that maybe I hear that we don't not agree, but I think what we need is to change the system in farming away from intensive systems to extensive ones that respect the natural needs of animals. And then we need to change the targets for breeding of animals. We cannot focus on performance alone, for example, meat or egg production, but need to consider health and resilience of animals. And using antibiotics in the way we are doing now means we only fix problems after the fact and we continue with a sick farming system that has big negative impacts in the environment animal health and in the end in our health so we have a lot thank to you do. thank you very much sarah um let me now turn to Aaron um for your final remarks and your reflections well so First, thank you very much for in, inviting uh, FAO to this panel and to the panelists. It was a very interesting debate. Uh, like many uh, other before me, I will emphasize the importance of uh, prevention and good farming practices to uh, tackle the threat of AMR. Also, raising awareness and uh, uh, go good governance in terms of policies and law. But also, uh, I think as a conclusion of this uh, panel, I would say that FAO, uh, together with many countries that we are supporting, looking at EU as a role model. And uh, in, in terms of uh, legislation, and also, as I explained, in terms of practices, including veterinary practices. So we are looking into more involvement of the EU, uh, either in terms of uh, providing the right practices, the right examples for countries, or uh, in terms of uh, assisting in, in, in funding. And I, in this opportunity, I want to thank the EU for, for the continued support uh, of, of to FAO work in making this world a better place. Thank you. Thank you very much, Iran. Uh, Roxanne, let me turn to you now for your final remarks. Natasha, um, thank you also to all those who spoke to you. And I, I love this dialogue, so I hope we can continue that also offline. I would have three key words. Uh, the first one would be co coexistence. 
uh, we believe, again, in Animal Health Europe, and I'll repeat that, that uh, all types of farming uh, are, are due to exist. I mean, organic, conventional. What What is important is if you have uh, sustainable or unsustainable business practices, like Lara said. The, the second word, also co-word, would be cooperation, coexistent cooperation. I think it was clearly for, for us and what was said today, uh, the livestock sector can't do it alone. AMR is a... Uh, overarching issue, it's a global issue, and what we are doing as animal health is can't, can't solve the problem, so cooperation. And the third one is coherence, uh, and this, uh, don't take it bad, Andrea, but maybe the, 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 what I would be asking here under coherence uh, is the holistic approach, but also maybe encourage the European Commission to do first an impact assessment also on all the targets, not only the farm to fork ones, but the Green Deal for, uh, targets, to see if one doesn't contradict the other, because sometimes it can lead to that uh, that that outcome. So three things, coexistent, cooperation and coherence for me. Thank you. It's a great summary. And um, over to you now, Lara, for your final remarks, please. Yes, first of all, I would like to thank everybody for this interesting debate today. And how to, to finalize my speech. Uh, pandemic showed us how important is food security, how important is self-sufficiency in the food chain. Uh, we need to provide food for all EU citizens, preferably EU food, uh, because uh, they want to, to eat EU food. Uh, to do this, we have to take into account that uh, um, uh, we have to uh, balance uh, the different topics of sustainability. Uh, I can say that maybe everybody would like to eat all your organic food, but we have to make sure that also citizens with poor income can buy meat because, because it is an important part of the diet. And uh, can we, with a, a science-based approach, imagine a future with only extensive production? Maybe we will not have enough land. Maybe we'll be much more uh, environmental impacting because we will need more resource. So the challenges we have in front is to find really an equilibrium within all the assets of the sustainability within the farm to fork strategies. And that's what we ask the Commission. As EU poultry sector, we are ready to start with a strong, fair debate on how to uh, proceed with the challenges we have in front. Also in terms of competition with uh, third country, because we are front runner, we have the most elevated standard, but we have to take into consideration that this means much more cost. So we need a strong protection by EU in terms of trade, because it's not enough to say equivalent standard we have to ask for identical standards. Uh, I think this is a really, really important point. And finally, uh, I would come back to the importance to take into account the different starting point in approaching the, the AMR target of reduction of 50%. Because maybe in some sector or in some member states, such as Denmark, Sweden, there is no room 
to a large reduction because they are using really, really uh, uh, few quantity of antibiotics. Thank you very much to everybody. Great. Well, that brings uh, today's event to a close. I'd like to thank all of our speakers today for this really dynamic discussion. And of course, to all of you uh, watching and that tuned in for this event. Um, just a quick reminder, you can also find this event on your Actives YouTube channel afterwards, and also to look out for an article on this theme, which will be published, published shortly. So that's all from us. I'm Natasha Foote. Thank you so much for watching, and I hope you all have a great afternoon.